let me get that timeline one more time. December 18th? Correct. Uh, 2012. And then you got married when? December the 28th. So 10 days after we actually first introduced ourselves. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Hey, how you doing today out there? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 72 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Fantastic! 72 episodes in the can, baby! I know. Can you believe that we've come this far? Not really, no, to tell you the truth. Imagine when we were doing this podcast for the first time ever, I was like, hey, honey, want to try a podcast? And uh, here we are, number 72, plus bonus episodes. Right. Not only do we have 72 episodes, but we got engaged and married and blended our families and survived two house floods and the death of a very tiny turtle. Oh, I know. R.I.P. little Paisley. Right. But but we do have some good news when it comes to the turtle department. Yes, we do. I think we announced it already, right? We did not announce it. What? We so, didn't? No, we did not. Aw. Well, R.I.P. Paisley and welcome to the family. So what I did is I took the little boys to the uh, another new pet store, a new reptile store down. Well, in, new to us. Well, yes, that uh, a co-worker recommended. And we went in there and I had little Mason because he was so devastated when uh, Paisley passed away. He was like so upset. And I had him go and pick out a new tortoise replacement. Well, not a replacement, but a new member of the family. Because today yeah. he told me, he says, technically, Christine, we have two turtles. It's just one is in the grave and one is in our house. Oh, wow. So uh, what did he pick out? He picked out a tortoise. What kind of tortoise is it called? It's like a solcata. Solcata. Sounds like a Mexican drink, you know, but... Uh, but that would be margarita. Okay. <laughs> but a solcata tortoise. Right. And he named it Pumpkin. Yes, he did. And like pumpkin pie. <laughs> he said he named it Pumpkin because I always call him my little pumpkin. Oh, I know. Sweet. It's so cute. And so now when I try to call him Pumpkin, he's like, I'm not Pumpkin. That's the turtle. And oh. so I have to come up with other names for him. I'm like, Bud or whatever. If you don't know this about me, everybody that's listening, I have little... Like, I don't want to call them nicknames, but they're kind of nicknames for the kids. Everybody has nicknames for their kids. Yeah. So Ezekiel is always Chickadee. Mason was Pumpkin. And Jacob, I just call him Bud. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bud. Yeah. Hey, Bud. Hey, buddy. I guess that works. Yeah. Yeah. Or Honey or whatever. Honey. uh, Yeah. I don't think you call a little... I don't know. Or Sweetheart. Yeah, I do. I call the kids all kinds of things. Okay. Okay. So Mason was telling me today when we went over to grab lunch that... um, he was telling me all these stories about tortoises that he's been watching on YouTube. Uh, but his new Wait, thing- he was watching tortoises on YouTube? Yeah, like people that found tortoises out in the wild and or like snapping turtles and things like that. But now he's got it uh, made up in his head that he wants to grow up and own a farm. Really? Yeah. You know, what if I just get up an ant farm for starting, you know? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm allergic to ants. That wouldn't work. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But, you know, just the idea of having a farm. Here's yeah. your farm, but your farm. He was so funny. He's like, I want a donkey and a goat or three or four and chickens. And I want a chickens to lay eggs so I can have the eggs. And what was the other one he said? Oh, he wants a turkey also. Really? I Okay. Are you going to name the turkey Thanksgiving? No, he wants to name the turkey turkey. Tur- okay. Well, that's how original. Now, the problem is we live in the city. So there's not <laughs> much a lot of land out here for uh, farms and stuff. You have to kind of go out in the country 
um, or out middle America, things like that to get the farms. Yeah, but so. you know what's funny is the people that are right next to us where we live, they have this small house at the front and then they have like an acre and a half of land behind them and we see it from our bedroom window and all it is is like gopher holes and dead weeds, but right up against the wall, I was looking down there yesterday because it's right over our oh, fence. Oh, you see the old chicken coop? Yeah, the chicken coop and I was like, you know what? I wonder if like we could build our fence, like maybe they would let us take a little bit of their property and we could build a recording studio. Oh, in the chicken coop? <laughs> Instead of the chicken coop, we could like tear that down and like build our own recording studio. Or or I got a better idea. We could just sell this house and buy one that has one that's already done. Oh, that would be awesome. But I love this house. I love where we're located. And I I mean, other than our neighbors in the evening of them or in, in during the day too, blasting their music right when I'm in the middle of a Zoom call. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Can you live close to this apartment complex. It's kind of like... Kid- right over the fence. Yeah, yeah, just on the other side of us on one side. And we have another group of homes on the other side. And so it's kind of, it gets kind of noisy and stuff. We are in the middle of the city, so it is what it is. But, but I have noticed that the sound of the freeway, which is not that far away from us, it kind of lulls me to sleep now. It's like that white noise that almost sounds like waves as long as people are like like honking. It almost sounds like a river sound. Yeah, it does. Like a whoosh. Yeah, I can't get used to it, I guess, a little bit, but uh, it's not too bad in here anyways. Yeah, no, it's really good here. But when I stay in Zeke's room, like on nights when you're working, that's uh, I keep the window open for that. But enough uh, talk and shop. How's your week been, Chris? What's new? It has been fantastic. I have officially launched my new podcast now yes it's up right now it's uh it's right now it's it's in the stages where it's being distributed to all the uh, podcast players Mm -hmm. right now i believe it's in google podcasts spotify um and it's called chris's world of fun (laughs) you no, that was already taken no it's uh it's called podtastic audio awesome and you can find it um on my twitter page which is podtastic a and I have links to everything there, right there on that thing. But uh, I did the first episode already on Monday. Yay! It was funny. I did the episode and I just did it freestyle, like <laughs> off the top of my head. And I didn't even like do any editing at all. I just recorded it, saved it, did a little intro I put together on there. And I just uploaded it as quick as I could because I wanted to get that thing up as soon as possible because there's a waiting process to get into Apple Podcasts. Ah, but so, you didn't edit it. So even though you're trying to do this like fantastic audio uh, podcast, do you think that not editing it would like get in the way of that? Um, I don't know. I think it sounded pretty good, you yeah. know, for, for being just freestyling it, you know, for mm-hmm. the most part. Just shooting from the hip. Shooting from the Totally. Of course. But like I said, once you upload a, or get a podcast going, you need at least one episode ready to go to put in so they can put it in apple and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. so an apple takes like the longest to get back to you on whether or not it's available so i mean i put it in on monday it may not show up until next next monday or the week after that yeah. I, I don't even know maybe two weeks well it's nice that you got at least this first little one out there to just kind of build up a following because you're kind of a big deal and oh, you have like you. all these Twitter followers already. And I'm like, who are those girls following you? Oh, come on. <laughs> no girls are following me. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe they are. But uh, that was a big, exciting thing for you. Anything else big happened this week? Um, I can't think of any top of my head. Oh, uh, the kids' birthdays this weekend. Yeah. So uh, we have back-to-back birthdays for the kiddos. Uh Zeke's birthday, he's turning 16 on Monday, like 
the day after tomorrow, and then Jacob turns 11 on Tuesday, the day after Zeke. <laughs> right. So this weekend, we're having a surprise birthday party Shh. this Sunday. You can't say anything. Oh, they can't hear it? Well, they might listen to the episode. Well, well I guess it doesn't release yeah, tomorrow. It, it gets released. they can hear us from across the hallway. Okay. Well, we have some big deal surprise for the kids tomorrow. I yep. mean, massive. It's like, it's like massive. It's like VIP, Shh. like superstar status. You really have to be quiet. You guys, okay. So we were sitting at lunch today and I'm talking quiet because the kids are literally two doors away from us right now. And um, Chris turns to me and he's like, what did you say, honey? Were you like, uh, does Jacob know about tomorrow? And I was like, Shh. and Zeke goes, huh? Oh, well, that's nothing. all I said. I didn't. I didn't give it away. You are so loud right now. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna change the subject because we're gonna talk about it next week. But it's a big surprise. Big surprise. Big deal. Yeah. Massive. So we have that planned for tomorrow afternoon that the kids don't know about. Well, Jacob knows, but Zeke doesn't. So we're keeping it a secret. Right. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'm trying to think of what happened in my week this week. You're working the usual. Yeah. Oh, and I started back to school this week. There you go. Back to school, Christine. I know. Did you bring an apple for the teacher? Um, well, that would be myself. So yes, I just you did. ate it for myself. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I started, uh, well, for the, my class, no, I didn't bring one to my teacher because she lives in Hawaii. It would have gotten stopped in customs. But uh, well, maybe have her send you a pineapple. Oh, that would be great. But I have my favorite professor. Um, she was my first professor in the program. Dr. Dada, and I have her again for my final class. It is my last class of my doctorate. And I credit her so much with helping me to overcome what I call imposter syndrome. When I first started at USC, I just really had this belief that maybe I didn't belong, maybe I wasn't smart enough. And it was just my own insecurities. And so oh, she, yeah, everybody gets that. Yeah. But I mean, when you're an elite, an elite university and you never thought you were going to be able to get to that point as like a teenager or anything like that, and you're sitting with all these super brilliant people, it's easy to like feel small. But uh, she helped me overcome that. She's on my dissertation committee and she was going to come to our wedding when it was in Hawaii. But anyways, it was a super fun start to the semester and... I'm up and rocking and rolling with my dissertation, and the countdown is on towards graduation. We're four months away, but I'm hoping to finish my doctorate in the next two months. Look at you. You got two months to spare. Hey, so if you finish it early in two months, what do you do with the extra two months? Well, I stay in my last class, and I finish my last class, but my goal is there's this big thing called a dissertation. It's basically a research book. It's a research study that I'm writing. And uh, you remember I had to defend the first three chapters, and that's when you thought I wasn't going to pass it. Right. They were like getting <laughs> harsh on you, too. Yeah. You know? And so uh, I have to write my last two chapters, but the fourth chapter, because there's five total, the fourth chapter, uh, before you can write it, you have to do all these interviews and data collection. And so that's what I'm doing right now. I have to do all these interviews. Of, and you have them uh, set up already, right? Right. So they're through Zoom. And then I have to download the audio and send it off to get transcribed. It gets sent back to me. I have to code it all, analyze it, find themes, and come up with my findings. That sounds like a lot of work to do in two months. Uh, it is a ton of work. And so that's why uh, my evenings when you're working are going to be very full of data analyzing and stuff like that. But enough about all of my school stuff. I was wondering, Chris, 
Did you ever think you were going to be married to a nerd? No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's funny thing is when we first met, if you remember, we met on Match.com. Right. And um, I mean, I know the truth is that you did message me first. Okay, stop. You checked me out first. Of course I checked you out. Of course, like of course, multiple you, times. You were a beautiful woman. You're I, right. Of course, I caught your attention. Of course you did. I checked And me. it's okay that you didn't have the courage to reach out because you were fearful days, of being rejected. How many days after we met on Match did we actually meet in person? Do you remember? It was, like uh, it was over two weeks. Yeah, you delayed a long time. I was like ready to like, let's like meet up and let's get a coffee date or something on the books because I think he's the man for me. Oh, really? Yes. Can you imagine what would have happened if... If we met uh, one day and then 10 days later, we got married? Yeah, no, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. I mean, I've heard of like friends that they've had like one or two dates and gotten engaged and got married like two or three months later. But um, no, that, that would be pretty quick. Coming up next, we have a couple that did that very same thing. They met on, on an online dating app. Then in 10 days, they were married. Wow. And we'll have them on right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is the world's largest collection of official fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love. If you enjoy our show and are looking to buy, say, a new jersey, sweatshirt, or hat, you can support us by going to podgo.co slash fanatics and get 25% off your next order. That's podgo.co slash fanatics. So check out fanatics for your officially licensed everything. And welcome back, everybody. And today we have not only one, but two very special guests, Stephen and Lee Preston, who actually have another podcast called 10 Days and Counting. And here they are with us right now. Hi there. How are y'all doing? We're great. Hey, guys. We're, hey, we're excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank, well, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate the opportunity. Hey, no problem, guys. So where in the world are you two actually joining us from today? Uh, we're in Chattanooga, Tennessee. <gasps> I've been there before. Really? You have? Thank you. Yes. Where have you? Why have you been here? I was there for, it was years ago, for a magnet schools conference. And don't you all have an aquarium? We, we do. do. Yes, Actually, I went there. Actually, right down the street. Yes. I, so I, really? I stayed in Chattanooga for almost a week, and then I went to the aquarium and some other places, and then my sister used to live just outside of Nashville, so I went up, up and stayed with her for a few days. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're right around the corner from the, from the aquarium, basically down on the riverfront. Now, what kind of fish do they... Is it fish, or what is it? At the aquarium? Yeah. They have fish there, but they have stingrays, turtles... Basically anything, basically anything that lives in the water. Yeah, they, it's, uh, they have an ocean side, and then they also have, I think, a river side. So it's like a separated, and then there's an IMAX as well that you can go oh, to. So fantastic. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a really nice aquarium. But the IMAX is not at the aquarium. That's yes. the odd thing. Like, it is a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned a river uh, and that you live near it. Do you guys have a waterfront view? We're not too far from the water. Um, we actually walk straight out of our condo and probably a couple hundred yards, and we're down down by the river on the on the park 
Parkway, Riverfront Parkway. And so we're able to walk that and uh, a couple of restaurants on the river. So, so yeah, it's a really nice area. We, we could see more of the river if they would stop building houses in front of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, did they do that? I hate when that happens. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a big deal here in San Diego. People who have houses like right with ocean views, of course, it's million dollar views. Yeah. And they put like a, they'll build like a deck on top of their roof <laughs> right in front right. of your neighbor. Yeah. So you block your view. I'm sure it gets big major disputes between neighbors. Uh, yeah, we're we're just we're the little lowly condos on the other side of the river. It's much cheaper on this side of the road than the other, so we'll we'll keep to this side and make the little make the little walk across the street. Yeah, it makes me think of this uh, movie I watched. Uh, don't it, don't judge me for it. Burlesque, like years ago, and it had Christina Aguilera, and they talked about this thing called air rights. Like you could actually like a company could pay you for the rights to the air above your property that so is, that nobody could build above you so that they could keep their ocean view. That is correct. Oh, yeah, it's kind of, it sounds similar to what billboard companies do that have billboards in, in, uh, in people's yards. They rent the space. <gasps> oh, really? How much Real money? Estate wise. How much money yeah. can I, can I rent if I rented a billboard space in my, in my, uh, backyard? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some city, uh, some city uh, rules that need to be dealt with first, but, uh, uh, uh Maybe just make what, yeah, some what extra kind of, income. Yeah, what kind of business are you thinking of, Chris? Well, I'm just trying to find some money any way you can do it. It is COVID after all, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of those for with like sure. a big arrow that's like, come and get, you know, dancing girls or whatever. Oh, yeah, that, that escalated quickly. <laughs> sound, sound guy. Wait, sound, isn't this a family-friendly... Uh, <laughs> yeah, podcast, a podcast professional is uh, here. Yes, well, yes. Well, we're really excited to have you both on the day, uh, on the podcast today, and Chris, gets super excited about interviews and so Chris why don't you tell us why you've been excited for Stephen and Lee to be on the show today I was excited for Stephen and Lee to be on the show because I found out that when they met they got married what 10 days after you guys met in 10 days yeah what a meeting online so not actually even so, yeah. meeting in person yeah. just what? meeting online yeah. okay so please we gotta know tell us that story <laughs> <laughs> I tell it all the time. I'm going to give her an opportunity. (laughs) Well, I had, I was actually in nursing school. And so I had been married for 18 years and had been divorced for a little over a year and had been on different dating sites and tried just about everything from eHarmony to match. Of course, this is eight years ago. So things have changed a lot and there's a lot more dating apps available, but, um, but I had tried many of them and had gone out, you know, with different people and had some success and then some unsuccess. So I tried plenty of fish because it was just one I had not tried. (laughs) Um, and it was free. And so a lot of the other ones had cost money. So, um, and so I was, I received, I, I was very particular about who I interacted with. So anyone who just would say like, Hey, how are you? Or, Oh, aren't you cute? Or, you know, just some comment like that. I just didn't, didn't respond at all. But if someone would take the time to really write something, I could tell they had read my profile and, and had, you know, taken the time and and spent, spent some quality time putting Mm -hmm. an effort into responding, then I would respond to them. And so he's better at telling you what he said to me or what his (laughs) little day was like than I am, but I'll, I'll let him tell that part. Well, the first thing is if the thing with dating apps and, and, you know, I, I heard uh, y'all's response when we said plenty of fish. I feel like <laughs> plenty of fish has turned into something that it wasn't back when we were on it. There there was some shady people on there looking for other things besides a full relationship. I was on my way to work and I thought, well, let me just uh, 
let me just look at my profile and, and see any new people, you know, whatever. And when I pulled it up, her face, her profile was the first thing I saw. Oh. And I, and I knew that I was going to be late for work that day. Because <laughs> well, were you late for work? Absolutely. Like by about 30, <laughs> by about 30 minutes. Because it's because the thing is, it's like my opinion is like those type dating apps are like uh, or or online dating is like how you show up in a Google search. If you're not one of the first people to send a message or to get in there, you you basically are not going to get heard. Like I could not exactly I could not see her. Like if if I waited because I when I when I looked at her, I'm like this woman's going to get a lot of messages. <laughs> so I uh, I basically you know it was and it's funny too the not knowing what she was looking for. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little different. I'm a, I'm a graphic designer and art director and I, I do copywriting and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write this story. And so I started out with, and I can't remember it verbatim, but the, the basic gist of it was, you know, some days you get up and it's just another day. Things are normal. There's nothing new. You're making your coffee. You've got to go to work. You've got to leave at a certain time. But then you step outside and all of a sudden something's different. You're not uh-huh. really quite sure what it is, but it seems like the sun is shining brighter. You got a smile on your face and you know, you're know you ready to face the day. And then at the end of it, I just said, hello, my name is Steven. And I hit send. Oh my gosh. And- wow, what a, what, a, what a smooth talker. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at writing. So. <laughs> he continued down that path for, for a couple of days before we spoke. And, and uh, so yeah. we really... We, we began speaking on the phone and just would spend really every waking hour talking. And, you know, I always just say it's like it's like dating on steroids because right. you're not you're not going out to a movie or, you know, fluff at dinner. It's it's very serious conversation, very right. in-depth questions. And, you know, when you haven't met someone and you're not face to face, it's a lot easier to ask some tough questions that you might not ask. Um, when you're, you know, when you are at, at dinner with someone or out to a movie and gone for a drink or coffee after or something like that. So it's a, you know, it's a very different experience. And so you, you do learn a lot about each other if you are, you know, if you give that person the opportunity and you do ask the right questions. And so I think we, you know, we just knew that we had a, a, a special connection and a special bond and, and that that would, you know, either make itself known when we met or it wouldn't. And so we, we definitely had like immediate chemistry when we met and I'm a big, a big chemistry person. So I, I don't, if I don't have, if I didn't have chemistry with someone, I wouldn't, I just couldn't go out and people who don't get that or understand that it's always been really strange to me. So, but yeah, I mean, we, we had immediate chemistry and, um, so we, we started speaking, uh, we, or we started emailing on the 18th of December and then we got married on December the 28th. Okay, wait, say that one more time, because let me get that timeline one more time. December 18th? Correct. Uh, 2012. And then you got married when? December the 28th. So 10 days after we actually first introduced ourselves. So we didn't even... Wait, are you talking about the time you first said hello on, on the on the online? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So we wait, didn't even actually meet physically until a couple of days before, about three days before we got married. It sounds like this is not the story you thought it was, Chris. No, we're It's intrigued. even faster, yes. Yeah. So, yes, okay, we, how many... T- okay, I'm we, didn't, we didn't like take 10 days to plan a wedding. We met uh, on online on December 18th and got married on December 28th, 10 days later. How many days of actually in-person meeting? I think One three or not, two. Well, eh, not many. Well, I'm, I met your so kids. So really, it's two days in counting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 
two days, hold your breath, jump in. But yeah, it was, I met his kids. That was the first time we met. They were, they were there and then they were going to their mom. So, um, and then he came to my house and met my mom and dad. They happened to be in town for Christmas, but he actually, and I actually get sick to my stomach every time I say this. So just, you'll have to forgive me, but he actually did not meet my children before we got married. Oh, wow. And that was, you know, we always tell people that what we did was, was foolish uh, and we don't, we do not recommend it more than likely the odds of it working out are pretty doggone slim. And we just happen to work through the kinks and really love each other and are just, we're like salt and pepper. We're just really good together. And we just, we get along so well and, and, uh, really compliment one one another well. So because of that, we were able to work through the issues that we, we didn't consider. And we were very, really very selfish in what we did considering my children because they were 16 and 12 at the time. So the, his children were little. They were seven, four like and seven, three eight, or seven, something. I don't know, but something. they were little. Yeah. And so they just, they didn't care. They were very accepting of me, but my boys had been through a tremendous a very difficult divorce and um, their lives had really been completely changed and a lot of upheaval um, on in a in a very larger scale because I was also a pastor's wife so they lost their church family they lost a lot so it was a very different circumstance they also lost extended family because my family was not accepting of me getting a divorce we are very I was very religious in my upbringing and so other than my immediate family my extended family basically deserted me after that so their lives were just you know it was rough for them and so I you know I do regret that and I apologized until they're sick of they're like please just don't don't apologize again but um but you know it's i think it's important to be able to apologize to your children um and to to be able to admit your faults and say you know i I made a mistake and i'm really sorry fortunately they are extremely close to Stephen. they have a very good relationship and um and and that has been a a nice healthy relationship for both of them so it, it worked out well but we certainly you know would not recommend that for for anyone of of course not now i have a couple questions here the one i have is is what how old were you guys when you got together and got married i'm 46 and we've been married eight years so that would be what 38 so so you guys were a little little bit older because when you hear things like that you think of these crazy kids they're just running out to vegas you know they're like 18 right. years old and the high school sweethearts or whatever, but but no, you guys we're crazy were older. middle-aged adults, <laughs> <laughs> which is sometimes more crisis. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's well, six years older than I am, so he was 45, I believe. Um, 48. 40. No. No, you're, that's okay. We're, we're not going to make you both. Nobody counts after forty yeah, like anyway. 44. Yeah, something. Yeah. Like, he was 44 and I was like 37. I said 38, something like that. So. Okay, so you've talked about this timeline, but. Typically, people don't just meet online and have one conversation and be like, oh, let's get married. So what was the turning point for you two where you realized that this might be more than just some nice chemistry that might result in dating for a couple of months? (laughs) This is going to be funny. So basically, we were talking about getting married and out of nowhere, and I think this was like on a Thursday, I think it was day eight or day nine, maybe. And I said, you know, we were talking about getting married. And she's like, well, why don't we do it this Friday? And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, let's do it. We don't, (laughs) we don't need anybody. We'll just go down to the courthouse. Uh, we, we, I was living in Blairsville, Georgia at the time. And she was in, uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, which about an hour and a half away uh, from each of us. 
So yeah, I was just like, okay, we'll do it. So I've got a one suit that I own, which is this tan suit and it's nice. And I got a tie that matches and she ended up going to uh, target TJ Maxx or TJ Maxx, excuse me, TJ Maxx and found a dress on the sale rack for $14. That was incredible. Like it was this most beautiful thing that matched my, uh, matched my suit. And we, uh, on day 10, we, we went down, got, got the license and went to the courthouse and I mean, I'm sure a psychiatrist. Would, yeah, I'm sure a psychiatrist would love to get a hold of us and could give you all kinds of, you know, peel back layers and tell you why we did such a thing so quickly. Um, whether it be, you know, I, for me, I look back. You know, I, I've I've changed so much over the last eight years, and much of my change I I attribute to Stephen and his um, allowing me the freedom to really be who I am and freeing me up to, you know. I don't know, just be able to say that my feelings are hurt or to, you know, just simple things like that, that I had really never been able to do before. But I think that for me, I had just really never had anyone be consistently kind. And I would latch on. I mean, if I look back over even people I dated before him, anyone who was just really kind to me, I would really latch on to that. I, I needed that kindness and caring because I had not had that type of uh, interaction. I mean, I got married when I was just a few days after I turned 19 the first time. Mm-hmm. And so I had wow, been with that young. person for, yeah, so I had been with that person for 20 years in a very unhealthy relationship. So I was definitely, you know, looking for something and, and clinging to it. And we were also, like he said, living you know, a distance apart and we weren't allowed to like stay over at each other's house. Like in our divorce papers, we weren't allowed because we had children if they were there to stay at the home. And so it just, it was like, well, it'll make it easier. We can stay at each other's house. We were also uh, a little pretty strict about being good examples for our children. So we didn't want to spend the night at each other's home without being married. So it made for difficult just seeing one another and driving back and forth and those kinds of things. So we continued actually to live separately for quite a while. And that made it an easier transition for my children so that they, you know, he wasn't in the home right away every day or anything like that. He would just come on the weekends and things. So it wasn't, and you know, we did at least allow that part of the transition for a period of time. That's really important. And, you know, I think from Chris and my perspective, there's no judgment. I know you were saying like you'd like a if a psychiatrist get a hold of you. We're very intrigued by this because typically when people have gone through a divorce, you find that they would move a little bit slower. Um, And that was our case is that Chris wanted to move a lot slower. But I'm a a, a turtle when it comes to relationships. (laughs) But Lee, I really related to when you were talking about what you'd gone through um, between Chris and I, I had been married for a number of years and we were leaders in the church. He wasn't a pastor, but he was a deacon and being very conservative and going through that and uh, coming out of it. I can relate with what you're saying that um, not to speak ill of my, previous spouse, but I was craving someone that would believe in my dreams and would get behind them. And uh, I will be honest, I knew I wanted to marry Chris after a very short amount of time. What? Why'd you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to scare you off because Mm. not only were you like a turtle, you were like a little tiny, like scared cat. Like, (laughs) if you say like, I love you, you would have bolted. I went in my shell. My head tucked back in my shell like, what? (laughs) And, And Chris will go to his grave to say that I made the first move. Of course move. you did. <laughs> of course you did. But, um, 
you know, getting to know him, I knew I couldn't say that right away. But I, I will honestly say if Chris would have asked me to marry him very soon on, I would have. You actually did ask me to marry you after just a couple of months. Wait, did I really? Yes. Was, was I drinking? <laughs> <laughs> you might have been. It was right after we watched the movie A Star Is Born. Oh, that's and, right. And he gets oh, very that's emotional. funny. Well, <laughs> yeah, he, I can understand that. That that will just pull you right in for yeah. sure. And then, like the next day, I was like, "So, are we going to pretend like nothing happened last night?" And he was like, "What?" <laughs> and I said, "You asked me to marry you." And then he says to me, "But I didn't have a ring yet, so we're not technically <laughs> engaged." I'm off the hook. I'm off the hook. <laughs> but, no, I can relate with what you're saying, though, especially after you've come out of a, um, an affection desert is what I like to call it. It's like this. You've been longing for connection and for someone to really uh, see you for who you really are, how it just draws you in. And so I'm really wondering, how did you get through that transition period to now be close to, if you haven't already, celebrating your eighth anniversary? Yes, we have actually. Yeah, uh, we just did uh, a couple of weeks December ago. December 28th, yeah. Awesome. So how did you work through that transition period and stay strong? Well, it was, in, in complete honesty, it was pretty bumpy the first year. And so bumpy, the fact that we actually ended up almost being divorced. Um, <gasps> I ended up, uh, you know, it was all my fault. I mean, I think it was a combination of things where Lee might have all of a sudden come to realize that, oh my God, what have I done? This was the stupidest <laughs> thing to get married in 10 days. And, 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 you know, I mean, I completely uh, understand that thought process, but at the same time, like I hadn't really changed at all from how I was as a person and a husband in my first marriage. So to give you a little backstory about that, I was the reason for my divorce. I, I had an, an emotional affair with, with somebody, with a, with a high school girlfriend. And um, he, well, I, I'm going to jump in and say he was not the reason for his divorce. Yes, his actions were not what they should have been for any marriage. Uh, it's not how you handle a problem. But there were many problems in his marriage that had nothing to do with, with, with the decision, the poor decision right. that he made right. leading up to which, that. Which those things I know now, like at the time I, I really wasn't aware of, cause I wasn't a very good, like I never really took time to think about what was actually happening in that marriage. And we discovered that I basically was her in my marriage where my, my ex-wife controlled everything. I let her control everything. I was raised by a single mother. So I just kind of had this history of, I don't, I don't know if, domineered is the right word, but just allowing a, a woman in authorities, so to speak, like kind of just have her way and, and everything she said was right and everything I said was wrong. And I never had children. She had children when I married her. So she was a better parent just from that fact. And, and it was told to me like I was it was uh, it wasn't anything she <laughs> she kept a secret as far as how she thought about it. And plus being involved in the church, you know, the, the denomination would, would tell me continually that basically I needed to do whatever I needed to do in order to make sure that my wife was happy. So my, I'm like, what religion is that? Because I did not, I think it's more denominational than, than religion, um, which mine was Baptist. And so basically I interpreted that as, as just being a yes man and not being able to have an opinion, not being able to, uh, voice things that were bothering me or, or anything like that. So all of that builds up obviously and leads to me reconnecting with, with someone from my past. 
and then saying, you know what, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. And I, I've got this really great thing that I could be a part of the down. The, the other part of that was this woman was also married. So cut to the chase. It didn't work out. And Lee and I are now on the verge of both of us uh, going through a second divorce. And I felt like, and not, I don't, but not for those reasons, not for those there reasons, was no, no infidelity or anything. like no, that. Right, no, no, right. no. I, there were some emotional things. There were financial things. You know, there were certain ways of, I was lackadaisical in a lot of things. And, you know, it just, it was, it was not what, what she deserved or needed. And so I ended up moving out and living in a, uh, kind of one of those hotel suite kind of places where you can rent monthly. And we just kind of, I mean, I got, (laughs) she can't believe that I did this, but she actually was trying to have me served with papers and I would not go home until I knew that the sheriff would be off duty and he would have already come, (laughs) come by my, my, my (laughs) apartment. And, and then I would, then I would go home after work. So I'd actually go down to the front desk for reasons I can't remember, but they would like, uh, do you know the police were here looking for you? <laughs> wow. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. No yeah, worries. That's scary. It's, what, yeah, it's all yeah. fun. Well, and that's the other thing about it. She'd be like, how do you, like, I can't believe you, you like basically ran from the law. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? Like all they're trying to do is serve me papers as long as they can't find me. It's just like any TV show you see. They always sneak up on you. <laughs> they always sneak up on you and say, excuse me, are you Mr. Stephen Preston? Yes, you've been served. So like, as long as I'm not there, they can't do anything. They're not going to arrest right. me. You know, I mean, I wasn't really worried about you, that. You, what you got to say is like, you know, I think he moved to Mexico. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but what was your reason, Stephen, for avoiding the paperwork? Like you knew that this divorce was coming, was it you were holding out hope or were you trying to figure out how to rectify things? I I just knew that, that things could be rectified. And, you know, we, we would have text message conversations every so often, you know, and I flip flopped. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you want this divorce? Sure. Fine. And I was like, you know what? I've been doing this my whole life where I've been like, okay, with, a woman telling me what they wanted and I'm just going to give it to them, even though it's something I don't want. So I was like, you know, after your second thought, I'm, I'm not going to sign these papers. I'm not going to do any of this because she had actually, I think you'd sent them to me in the mail. Well, and I mean, I tried to do things in person, but it, I mean, the, but the reason, I mean, there was a, it wasn't like I just did it because I was annoyed. I mean, there were reasons oh, that no. things happen. It's like you said, we, when you're, when you're bringing, I'm a, I'm very naive. I, I tend to, because of how I was raised in the bubble that I lived in, I, I assumed everyone else was like me, like all of the, I assumed, I mean, right down to, oh my goodness, um, you know, I had never paid a bill late in my entire life. And I just assumed everybody paid every single bill on time. Like that's because that's just how you do things. And yeah, I just, yeah, they I do. just had this, I know, I just assumed everyone lived no, their life don't. like I do. And, <laughs> no, and, you know, it was just, it was just a real change for me, but he also, I mean, he also lost his job right after we got married. Um, I was not, I'm not a, um, very motherly kind of person. I, I mean, I think I was a good mom to my children, but I did not want to raise three more children. So that, that became a very difficult, um, circumstance for me personally. There was a huge financial burden based on, you know, child support and things. And then of course, with him losing his job, that made it all the more complicated. And so there were a lot of those types of circumstances that kind of just 
began to pile up and we were trying to figure out how to take care of them. And I kind of, in order to maybe kind of wake him up, kind of, I don't know how else to put that, but to, to say, Hey, you've got to step up here because it's not something that, that I can do. Then that's where that came from. And he basically came to a place where he said, I'm, you know, I'm willing to step up and do what I need to do to make this right and to be responsible. And so that's, that's where we came to and were able to, to come to understandings and, and make things a shift to do that. So Stephen, what was that moment for you where you decided, okay, I'm going to be all in no more sitting on the fence, moving back home and I'm going to go and be the man that I know that I can be. Uh, it was just seeing her face again. I mean, it was just actually being in her presence and the fact that she'd be willing to give me a second chance. And I just, I just loved her. Like she was an incredible person. And I knew that we had a lot of good, uh, between us and, you know, I, I just didn't want to be without her. That's, that's basically the, the long and the short of it. Um, I just, I just didn't want to be without her because I knew that along with be a good thing for my life. Uh, I knew she could, she would be a good thing for my children as well, because that was the other thing to take into account was what kind of, not necessarily mother, but what kind of female uh, womanly role can she play towards helping me successfully raise my children to be halfway decent adults. And I knew that she was the best person for that as well. So, you know, it was, it was a myriad of things. I just didn't want to be without her. You know, I think that uh, what I was looking for girlfriends and I was on the dating, dating scene and I found Christine and that's the thing I always would hunt for too, was more than just, are they good looking? Are they fun to be around? Um, are, cause I had children, you know, and I had to really think about them and their future. Can I see this person around my kids and can I see them raising them? You know, how, you know, does this fit in this puzzle here? You know? Right. And, and I love our boys. I love the little ones are like my own and, you know, I love it when we snuggle up and have quality time together and do fun things. And for me, having an older child, an older son, I needed to figure out, how to bring somebody in that wasn't going to try to replace his father, but would be uh, a male that he could look up to. And so, Lee, you said that you have two sons and that they that Stephen gets along with them. Well, now, what was that transition like uh, once you guys combined households as it comes to like discipline and setting boundaries? Well, my oldest was 16 at the time and my youngest was 12 and they both had some pretty deep rooted, you know, pain from what they were going through. And this kind of added to it. And so um, they did not have a good relationship with their with their biological father. And so they, you know, kind of would push back. We we established pretty quickly, um, early on with some different things that happened that the best really thing to do, we came to an agreement that I would discipline my children. And he would discipline his, and we could make we could discuss things um, privately, and but that that he would not ever discipline my boys because I did not want them to have another male in their life that tried to control them, 
and was a negative force. I wanted it to be as positive uh, an influence and as positive a relationship as they could have. And I think because we established that early, it allowed that to grow. So, you know, as my as my oldest matured, they really found that my oldest son and Stephen have a, quite a lot in common, even personality wise. And so my youngest is much more like myself. And he's very much a, a people pleaser. And I think he, you know, wanted Stephen to like him. And he really became close to Stephen quite quickly. They really were very involved in, you know, school and life and all of those things. So the activity level being up kept them not at home a lot. And so there wasn't a lot of opportunity for that. But but if we had not established that early, I think we could have had a lot of problems. Um, but I think establishing that created that um, room for a slow relationship to form. And I think that that, that was very important. Was that really hard, though, like when one of the kids was acting out to just pause and let the other parent? Because Chris and I are trying to figure out how to make this work right now. And we've been trying to do that whole separation of discipline. But like, what happens when one person's sick? Like, how did that actually play out? Thankfully, there actually wasn't a lot of opportunities or things that happened to where we had to do that. Um, If they did, they were mostly with my children because my children, my kids see the relationship with Lee and the relationship with their mother, their biological mother as some sort of competition right. to where, and, and there's, there's like a loyalty, uh, issue that's there as well. So they're not, they're very reluctant to buy into this. The fact that she actually does care about them and that she does want to help them, that she does want to be able to give them guidance on certain things. And, but the other, the the biggest thing that it that we deal with is the respect issue, and because my ex, I know that the, that our houses are as different as night and day as right. far as what what they're allowed to get away with as far as how they talk to their mother and and uh, their level of accountability when right. they're when they're oh, there yeah. compared to the level of accountability that we require here. Well, we had we established very early that I was determined not to live in a stressful environment ever again in my life. And so we established very soon that we, we just, we do not yell. We don't yell at each other. We do not yell at our children. Um, and my, my boys, i never yelled at them. And so they had not been in that environment. And they were also very respectful of adults and authority. And I don't mean that they weren't teenagers and didn't, you know, show some sort of disrespect. Absolutely, they did. They're, they, you know, we all have flaws, but a general level of respect. I think that Stephen would agree with me that that they have always had that even for him. And so when the the younger children came to our home, um, there was a lot of yelling. And so we established very quickly that that won't take place when they're here. And it actually brought a great deal of uh, such a different environment than they were not used to. Um, The oldest actually wrote me a letter. I don't know when he was probably 16 and um, a really sweet card that just basically said how me coming into their lives had changed 
things for them be and it was mostly related to that to that yelling how i had removed that like i didn't you know it's not that i didn't because let because i was I, a yeller yeah and i don't <laughs> oh, i hear I don't, you buddy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i mean it was just a different level of community i'm like we're we're like you can speak to your children. They're 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 able to understand, communicate, and we need to learn to communicate with uh, compassion Thank and you. with respect to each other. <laughs> and it's just there. Otherwise, you're going to be fearful of of making a mistake in your life. You're going to be fearful of not being able to truly say how you feel and. And you want to be able to do that in in a respectful way. We we actually had a situation at Christmas where his daughter I I purchased a or we purchased a a nook for her or a, like a Kindle, right? And um, between the Kindle itself and a gift card and the the case, it was a it was a few hundred dollars for for her. Yeah, and because she loves to read. I mean, she, she's a bookworm, and and we just thought it'd be this great thing where all she had to do was go online and find a book rather than having to go to Barnes and Noble or, you know, whatever, look for something. So, so this was a gift and the, the problem with them not being with us and being, because they live in North Carolina, so we only have them once a month. And so, um, so our influence is limited, but the attitude that she had was not good. And because her delivery was, well, I, I'm, I'm just really nervous because I don't even think I'm going to, I'm afraid I'm not going to like what y'all got me. And, and so I said, well, I want you to be able to freely express if you don't like what you've gotten. And if you don't like it, I'll give you $100 cash and I'll return it. <laughs> so that's what we did. And so in other words, there needs to be able, you need to be able to, to know that you can, can communicate. And then you have to hopefully be able to, to tell your children, hey, there's, there's a good way to communicate this, though. They, like the better way would have been, oh, my gosh, thank you all so much. But I really love to hold a book, you know. And so teaching her hey, this is a better way to express yourself. We still want you to be able to do that, but let's find a way we can do it so that it's it, it's a little more positive and you're a pre, you still are showing appreciation for what you're receiving. But we do want you to be able to express yourself and because I don't want you throwing a $300 <laughs> gift under your bed and not right. using it, you know? Right. So, I mean, I just think there's, we have to be able to let our children become, begin to mature and grow up. And if we don't socialize them properly, then when they become adults, they're not going to be able to have healthy relationships. With your children, how was your guys' arrangements with the other uh, side of the family? Like you mean how, like custody, Chris? Yeah, like how, how many days or how many weeks? How did you guys do the split? Well, for me, I think it was twice a month. It they was were, well with when, you? when we first got the, married. He was the with beginning, every yeah. other week. It was every they were other with week. you. They mm-hmm. were with you one whole week at a time. Yeah, yeah, but because of the job that I had at the time and... This gets into the financial issue of it, where this was one of those areas of compromise where I was like, we really can't afford for them to come that amount of time. I, I really want to be able to see them. But at the same time, I've got some I've got new responsibilities now. And, you know, I've got a I've got a wife and I've got this now my family's increased. So I've got to figure out. He actually lost his job. He had to relocate and he found a job where I was living. Oh, so, wow. And he was without work for quite some time. And then it was a job. My fault. Lost the job. Right. Because the company couldn't afford to pay right. me anymore. Yeah. Basically. So he got laid off. And, and, and so his, you know, his income was actually just barely more than what child support was. So after paying child support and then, you know, just regular bills, the, the affordability of traveling four hours round trip twice a month and then right. having them there, it, you know, we just had to come to a place where we were like, we have to 
be able to financially also take care of our ourselves and our home. And, and that's kind of where we came to. But I'm sorry, sweetie, I didn't mean no, to No, no, you're you. fine. But I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that brought up the idea um, or what I think is a common, what I realized uh, was, a, was really as a misconception is that when you have two people that come together that have children, it's like automatically assumed that you now take on each other's financial responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Like your money's my money, my money's your money. And that was one of the things that Lee was struggling with. And I, and I had to be able to understand that and say, you know what, you're right. Like we've been brainwashed or have allowed ourselves to be brainwashed on some level to think, yeah, that's the way it should be. And, but it wasn't fair. Like I had to realize that it was not fair to her that all of a sudden, because we're married now, that she should be financially responsible for my kids. If something in my life changes, i.e. losing a job, then I need to do, I need to make a decision about what is the right thing to do financially for our home. And so we've uh, ended up going down to one time a month. And you know, I mean, there's, we switch back and forth on major holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas. Now they're older. So they have, yeah. you know, one's in college, they have friends. And so their time of wanting to be with us is not what it used to be. <laughs> right. either. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're more interested in, in girls and boys and, and doing, you know, fun things. And then of course we, we travel during normal times, not COVID and see them uh, play sports and we'll, you right. know, we'll make a four hour round trip on a weeknight and, and see a ball game and things right. like that. So we, we certainly are dedicated and, and are a part of their lives, but you know, it's tough, you know, planning families is a, is a tough situation and you have to, you have to work through and figure out what those things are. My children lived with me. It was supposed to be a 50, 50 custody split, but they would house themselves with me the majority of the time. And then a couple of years after we were married, my ex-husband actually, um, was killed in an accident. So, so they, so that became a non-issue for us. But, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where, where we were with our children. Well, Chris and I are motioning to each other here in the room because as you were talking, Stephen, it, it brings up some similarities to our context. And, you know, with Chris's, well, with our littles, with Chris's littles, um, those are the eight and 10 year old. They're here 50% of the time. Their mom lives just a couple of miles away. We're with them very regularly. But because I was leaving, um, not just a toxic, but uh a partially abusive relationship, I relocated uh, six hours away, 350 miles away from my ex-husband to just get to a point of safety. And so we're in that dynamic where we're negotiating every other weekend. Okay, am I going to drive up and stay with my parents for this weekend? Or are we going to fly him down? Or am I going to meet his dad halfway? You fly him a lot. Yeah. Zeke's flown so many times. I don't know how he plays more miles than anybody I've known. He has like MVP status, but they've started doing free upgrades. But, you know, as he is getting older, he's starting to express not wanting to come down as much. And part of me is, what have I done to fail as a mother? And I've had to step back and realize that's not the case at all. This is allowing him to grow. But, you know, that's one of the things that people don't always understand when you're coming into this blended marriage. And there's two very different custody arrangements is how um, it can leave some challenges for the individual that doesn't have their children or child as much to feel like, am I not as good of a parent because I can't be there because I have to make these choices to be able to 
pay for the life that they have, you know, child support right. and those types of things. And so how did you wrestle through that, Stephen? As far as making those types of decisions? Like, did you feel at any point in time like you weren't being a good dad because you weren't with them as much when things started to change for financial reasons? Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, at the, at the base of it all, I've always, there's always, I've always struggled being just feeling like I'm a decent enough person to begin with, you know, and there's, there's a lot of psychology that that's in the background of all that. It was just what the situation was. I'm a big reality person now. Um, and I'll back up a little bit and say that the three years that I was, that I was divorced before I met Lee, there was a lot of time I spent thinking about things. Like I was actually, I actually had the freedom I felt to start exploring, okay, well, why did I make this decision to do this? And mm -hmm. why did I allow my ex to do this? And, and so it kind of helped me to understand that, you know what, I'm not a bad person. I've made some bad choices, but they don't really define who I am on the inside and, and who I believe that I am as a person. Um, it was for me, it was just a matter of realizing that this is what the situation is. You know, we've, we've gone through a divorce. Um, I actually lived in Florida when I got divorced and my wife, my ex-wife was in Florida as well. And she ended up moving up to North Carolina because she had met someone while she was at her, her parents' cabin in the, in the, in the mountains in North oh, Carolina. Wow. So she ends up moving and it's, it's just what things are. Like, I think right. if you start to dwell too much on, if you start thinking that you're not a good person rather than realizing, well, this is just what the situation is and I need to figure out how I'm going to deal with it. It doesn't, it, I had to realize it doesn't reflect on me as far as who I am. It's just the way the situation was. I couldn't control losing my job. I couldn't control, you know, finances for a while. Uh, and I think he realized too that, that he was a healthier minded person and a better father right. being in oh, yeah, a, definitely. like being in a healthy relationship. I think really, yeah. and I, I sound like I'm taking credit for, you know, part <laughs> it's of all right. Take credit, I, I, <laughs> No, and, absolutely. She but, should. I mean, it's, it's, really, I mean, it's really true. I was really positive to him and he's, he's so intelligent. He is so talented and he has got so many amazing qualities. And so I don't think he had ever been told that. And I think that, that just having someone in his life that, that reinforced those things in him and, and was affirmative to the positive aspects of, of who he was really made him kind of be a better father and be a better role model and, and learn how to also do that to them. So rather than, you know, being, getting on to them all the time and things like that he became more positive and trying to find ways to encourage them and and find the positive things about them and I think that they could see that change in him and so it became a healthier relationship so I think even you know you can live with someone every day and have an absolutely horrible relationship or a horrible father and yet you can have someone in your life that you might not see every day but you know that they're dependable that you can call them or they can right. call you and things like that so I think building you know the making sure that the time that you have is is quality and that you are continuing a relationship even though you don't see each other daily you know it's there's still so much there and things change man your kids i can speak my my oldest is 25 now and you know the relationship that that we have with him now versus what it was when we met 
over eight years ago. I mean, it's it's not even the you know there's there's just so much change when they become adults, right? And um, that relationship changes so much. And so what you put in now, of course, is gonna is gonna come out and and just such a healthy relationship that Zach that Zach and Stephen have now mm-hmm. um, now that he is that age. So it's well, a, and, and what's interesting with Zach too is that. Zach basically was me. Like I was just like him pretty much during my teenage years. And he has now met somebody that pretty much is someone that he feels he's in a safe place with. And Mm -hmm. it's totally, it's really totally changed who he is. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's still still got, he's still got some rough edges, but (laughs) yeah, but it just can. I mean, the person that we're with can make a huge difference in, in our lives and our, our healthy minds and, and things. So, you know, I, I think that was beneficial for his children as well. That is fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that too because I know when Chris and I started to get to the point of seriously dating um, and I would sit with my family, first of all, that was a big thing, spending a lot of time with them because my previous spouse kept me from spending time with my family as much. But my sisters would remark on how happy I looked and how optimistic I was and... Um, that I would talk about the things that Chris and I were doing and traveling to not like extravagant places, but, you know, going glamping and things that I've always wanted to do. And then Chris's mom would tell me the same thing. She's like, gosh, Chris is just, you know, he's just kind of a different person. And it just reminds me of the importance of having a partner that lifts you up and whether it takes you 10 days to find them 10 (laughs) weeks or 10 years, how wonderful it is when you find that. And especially when you find it um, after not having a healthy first marriage. And so for that, we are so grateful for you to sharing your story. Um, But we know that it's a little bit of your heart to help other blended families. And so how do you do that? Uh, we try to do it through the podcast. Um, you know, that, that's not, my love language. <laughs> that's my love language right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when we started it out, we were thinking about just what what could we do different because we're both we're both creative people. Um, Lee will tell you that she's not very creative, but that would be a lie because she is. It's just in different areas. But she's a creative thinker. She's a she's a creative doer, and. Because we enjoy being with each other so much that's like, what can we do either as a business or, you know, jobs, whatever that we could do that we could actually just be together all the time. And, you know, we, we researched food trucks, we researched, (laughs) um, we were going to do, and we may still do this looking at doing a, a, like a sticky bun, like a cinnamon roll business. Oh yeah. Um, but we're not morning people, so we don't, we're not morning people. So that's probably not going to work. Do a couple Uh, midnight sticky buns. There you go. We'll get uh, the hangover crowd. (laughs) Yeah. We actually call them sticky kisses. Oh, that's cute. Um, but anyway, so we were trying to figure out what we could do. And then I came across uh, the idea of podcasting. And, you know, I've always been told that I had a, a voice for radio. And, and I think she's got an amazing voice, uh, even though she thinks she sounds like a guy sometimes. <laughs> um, but so I started investigating it. And it's like, you know what? We, w- we come across people in our lives that, whether it's at our jobs or other friends or whatever, that are struggling in their relationships and and especially with blended families that the the challenges are so much more than what they are just in a traditional marriage relationship where no children are involved in the beginning and where people 
persons. You know, we, we like right. to help people. We, if there's an opportunity where we can help somebody, we'll do it. I mean, we'll go out of our way to do it. And so that's where the idea of the podcast came up and actually telling people about our story, telling people about some of the struggles that we go through and that we have gone through. And uh, the fact that even though we've, we only knew each other for 10 days and got married and eight years later <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we're still thriving. We're still, we still want to be around each other. We still hate to say goodbye in the morning Aww. when we go to our separate jobs. Um, you know, we wanted to be able to give people some sort of outlet to where they could listen right. to somebody else's life that is possibly gone through the same things that they're going through now. And how did they, how did they work through it? So that's and to we, answer questions, but we and to answer questions. Yeah. But we just to... couldn't get, we can't get people to ask questions. Like <laughs> same here. Yeah. 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 It, happens. Yeah. it happens. It does. Yeah. But one We're of like, the, we won't tell, one we won't of the, tell who you are. Yeah. <laughs> one of the sequences of episodes that I haven't listened to yet, but um, I will be is the fighting fair. Because what I have realized as Chris and I are, you know, just about 45, 50 days into our marriage is, as I've been reflecting, I don't know how to have conflict in a marriage. I was in one where you just don't talk about it. And then one day it boils over and you're like, where did that come from? And uh, not to speak for Chris, but he had a different model in his past relationship. Right, Chris, when it comes to fighting? Oh, we talk about fighting all the time. Like physically fighting? No, not physically fighting. <laughs> but you guys did have that too. So yeah, yes, it was a lot of yelling and screaming, a lot of fighting, a lot of talking. Who can talk the loudest in a conversation? Kind of, kind of fighting. And and I've started to realize that because I didn't know how to handle conflict, that it's easier for me to move on to his side of the aisle of engaging in raising voices, which makes me feel very uncomfortable. And so I've been wrestling with and talking with my own therapist about how do I how do I learn how to fight fair in a relationship? And so I'm really excited to listen to, I think it was three episodes about fighting fair that you yeah, all recorded four. four episodes. Four. Yeah. And I think that your stories are going to definitely help a lot of people. And so where can our listeners find your podcast? Uh, you can actually find it anywhere. Um, we are on so many platforms. I can't even remember what they are, but specific ones that people would know would be either Apple, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, but we're having a little struggle with Google because for some reason only four episodes show up, so we're not really sure That's why. That's weird. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's weird. Well, it has to do with something I think I did with with another app called Castbox, where okay. but we don't. Yeah, we don't need to get into it. Um, <laughs> okay. Lee's, Lee's giving me the circle finger, like move on, move yeah. on. <laughs> Chris um, is giving me the same one, so I yeah. feel yeah. So, but uh, yeah, or you, or uh, Anchor FM, uh, okay. you can find us. That's where that's where we're actually hosted on. Or you can go to ten days and counting dot com, and it's ten with a number, and you can read more about us. You can also listen to our episodes there online. Awesome. And so we also have your Facebook at 10 Days and Counting, the number 10, on Instagram, T-E-N Days and Counting, and on Twitter, 10 Days Podcast. And so we want to thank you both, first of all, for reaching out to us and then for sharing your story, because every time we hear other blended families making it through the adjustment period at the beginning, it reminds us that we can do this and others can do this. And while there might be times where there's bumps in the road to anchor back into that love and care we have for each other. Right, Chris? Absolutely. This has been great, guys. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you oh, for, well, having thank you for having us so us. much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. 
The Podbreed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming in the vast world of podcasting. Podbreed is made up of many diverse podcasts coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com. Wow, that was a very interesting interview. Yeah, those guys were great. It was so nice to have them on the show. It really was. And I really am looking forward to listening to their series on Fighting Fair. I think it would be really helpful for us. Well, I always fight fair. <laughs> you always it's punch not fair below to, it's the not, belt. It's not fair to me, but, uh, you know. Oh, all right, Mr. Victim mentality. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, see how I call it, baby. Yeah. Well, I think that it's really important to listen to a lot of the principles that they said, whether this is a second marriage or a first marriage for you, you know, having conversations about the things that you and I always talk about, like being clear on finances and financial roles. And, and the kids and who watches what kid, who punishes which kid. Right. And how do you take care of that stuff and juggle all that? Yeah. And they even gave me cause to think about a couple of different topics as it relates to the way that our house functions and um, our relationships with our former spouses and that type of trauma that kind of works its way into the relationship. You know, it's completely different, I think, for people that it's a first marriage and like maybe they don't have a lot of dating experience and they go in with a lot of uh, naivete, I think is the right word. Right. Yeah, versus, I, I get that. Yeah. Versus like our situation where <laughs> we're both a little bit jaded. Yeah, we both had bad experiences. We both were married. I mean, you were married a lot earlier, not younger than I was. And a lot longer. And a lot lot, lot longer. But uh, at the same time, though, we both kind of got divorced roughly around the same time. And right. You were, you were 2015. I was 2013. Right. So roughly around the same time, we both split from each other. But would you say that there are wounds that you have from your pers- first relationship that kind of can make their way into ours? You know, it's funny you say that. I have wounds from every single relationship that I've <laughs> been in in my entire life. And you just kind of have to live past it and move past. And every relationship you go forward from the last one, no matter how devastating it is, I always think that, well, maybe this one will be better. And also, you kind of have to kind of keep, like, almost like you're sleeping with one eye open a little bit in the relationship. Like, you don't want But wanna- that's so hard because then you're, like, if you come into this relationship like that, aren't you assuming well, that's why the I worst so- intentions? But that's also why it took so long to get, get my groove on. You know, I didn't want to get married right away like these guys did. I kind of, I kind of wanted to take my time. You know, uh, ease my toes in the water, so to speak, and not just jump right in like a cannonball. Yeah. You know, I think it's very different for us, though. Um, I can really relate to what they were saying because they wanted to set a really good example for their kids. And, um, you know, being from a really strong faith background, um, things like um, like integrity and celibacy, whatever the word is. Right. Um, I get you. Yeah. But, you know, we we had to have a lot of discussions about that because uh, choosing to move in together before we were married was something that we really wrestled through. And, you know, we agreed that we, well, I wrestled through it. Right. I mean, it was like, okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. You were like, "Um, you want to move in next week? And I was like, "Um, not unless we're engaged and we have a date set. And you're like, what? That was foreign, right? It's totally foreign language to be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But, you know, again, it goes back to providing stability for the kids. And so I can see that perspective. Uh, And I learned a lot from this interview, didn't you? Uh, it was great. These guys were great. They, Stephen and Lee, they were amazing. Um, thanks for coming on the show, guys, by the way. We appreciate this. Yeah. And thank you so much for your transparency and your vulnerability about where you did struggle. I think that whenever we share about the things that we're walking through 
it helps others because I'm just so tired of logging onto social media and seeing these filtered lifestyles with their perfectly put together homes. And, and I was and most, ready for real. And most of the time, those perfectly put together homes on social media are not. They are the opposite. Right. It's so weird. People only post the best stuff possible it's almost like an addiction like a drug like i gotta prove to the world that our house that's falling apart that's just crumbling how perfect it is but it's not right i find it's much easier to connect with people that are very open and honest about their struggles because i know that they are in it for the right reasons versus like trying to get popular and so that's what i really felt about Stephen lee is that their story is to help others think through the challenges that they could face so that they don't go down that same rabbit hole. Whether or not you choose to get married in 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years, I think that being honest about what goes into play beforehand is really important. Of course it is. Absolutely. And if you want to know more about us, you can always go to our website. That is www.chrisandchristineshow.com. That is Chris and Christine with the letter K. Yes. And on that website, we have a lot of information about our life, our life together. We have fun videos, our journey to meeting each other, as well as resources about our podcast, past episodes, and other shows that we've been on where we've been very vulnerable and open about our, our journey to find each other. Right, Chris? And that is right. And thank you so much. We appreciate you listening today. And we will be back next week for another fantastic episode. We'll see you then. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.